0: They say love is patient, they say love
1: is kind. Marriage, on the other hand, takes those things plus wine. Spousing is a journey, not for the faint of heart. Being
0: married to a human is a science and an art. Hey Lauren. Hey Katie. How's it going? Oh, you
1: know, just Actually, right now I am in a nineteen uh, fifties costume uh, because I just got home from a bridal shower, and a themed a bridal th- shower. Bridal shower. Those are very um in right now. Are they? I've never, I don't think I've ever been to one with a theme before, unless the theme is just I've like. I've never been to one, wedding. I've just seen
0: them on Instagram.
1: Oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is cute. And then I kept my mom, my mom, so Caitlin, my mom, and I all went, and I, we were sitting there, and I was like, is this, this is super cute. And then, I, and then I was like holding Caitlin's hand, and we were looking at each other, and I was like, this would be illegal in 1950. My, and my mom was like, yeah, we probably don't need to go back, but the clothes were cute though. Mm-hmm. It might
0: be illegal, but it doesn't mean you wouldn't be holding hands under the blanket. That's true. It doesn't mean it then. wasn't
1: happening.
0: <laughs> That's true. But yeah. How are you? Uh, I'm great, actually. It's It's a very nice, like, spring... You know when you first get the first, like, smell of spring mm-hmm. in the air? Yes. That was... That was it today. So it was too cold to have the windows open all day, but I did not care and I had them open anyway. Oh, that's so, so nice. I
1: know. I just drove home yeah. through a neighborhood that has like a lake right in the middle and I was like, Oh, this is where I wanna live. Like this this neighborhood is perfect. Everybody was yeah. out, like jogging. Yeah, and it just it's such a
0: reminder to me how important like nature and air and sunlight is to my mental health and it's just been like this has been a weekend where I've tried really hard to do that and it's been a a weekend where it's been easy to do that because as you might know it has been uh it's March Madness this weekend and um that March Madness has started so Mark is like extremely singularly focused on basketball right now um and he understands if I don't want to be so I've had like full permission to just kind of come and go as I've pleased which has been Yeah, it's actually just been like a really nice, great weekend. I know. I really want to get outside. I, I know. I can't wait for a month from now. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: it's More already leave, warm though. enough here. Like, we can, I can already do it. I just feel like I've been committed to like indoor activities lately. So I'm excited to get out.
0: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I had to intentionally do that because I'm like an indoor kid at heart. Yeah, uh, I know. And then you get outside and you're like, whoa, this is great. How come no one yeah, told me about outside? Yeah, how come nobody told me about this? And then, uh, well, I'm lucky that all of my allergies are like, my allergies are mostly not in the spring and summer. They're like fall, winter allergies. Hey, that's,
1: that's, uh, well, that's Which I've already bummed out in the fall anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, like, why, even, why spread it out? You might as well just be all bummed at once
0: yeah i would say just concentrate yeah
1: i saw a thing on facebook this morning that was like i'm sorry for what i said when it was winter i was like i really really yeah. to that <laughs> good point i know I'm inti- i've intentionally um, moved I've myself seeing... closer to less winter that's what the yes geographical that's
0: change. that's something mark and i have been talking about these days is about like taking into consideration how geography really does
1: like <laughs> impact your general well, have i got the neighborhood for you katie there is a lake right in the center Oh, wow. We could podcast at the kitchen table. Hmm.
0: Maybe somebody should send, uh, maybe somebody in the education system in that area of the state should (laughs) send somebody else. Hey, the salaries are poor. (laughs) Uh, It makes it really hard to leave here. When they just passed. The the governor of Pennsylvania just introduced legislation, um, guaranteeing the minimum wage for all teachers, including first year teachers, at forty five thousand dollars a year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's like
1: well, and it's like real Pennsylvania hard. Pennsylvania no is a, 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 a notoriously a very strong teachers union state. It's a very good t- state to teach in. So there. Yeah, it's
0: also it's hard to get a job in. Yeah, but. it is hard to
1: get a job in. So is Virginia, but they have reciprocity. So if you ever want. I know, I That's, do think that we've put this on our list of things we don't just talk about, though, because it makes us both sad.
0: Yeah, it does make us sad. Although, one day, if we actually want this in our lives, we should really talk about it. Yeah, but. absolutely. Um, So, we're about to dive in. I was about to, like, tell you about the State of My Union. Oh. So, why don't we
1: just start with yours? Okay, yeah. Or, you want to do State of Unions, and then we'll go into our listener queue? Yeah, okay. let's do that first, All because right. I want,
0: I'm excited about our listener queue. Okay,
1: um, the State of Our Union. So, right now, we are, do you remember... I don't know if you do. Mark's capital P paper.
0: <laughs>
1: are you kidding me?
0: You mean the paper of 2017? The nascent of this
1: podcast? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we are in a situation. We are, we are in study uh, apocalypse 2019. Oh, um, gosh. Yeah, it's super fun without actually being any fun at all. And well, it's been... kind of like working really hard and not getting paid whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really great. Um, on the one hand, I definitely know, and this is what people keep saying to me, and I, it's like one of those things like that I hear so often that I'm kind of annoyed with now. Mm-hmm. I know we're close to the end. I know that. It doesn't make right now that much easier. Um, it's very – she. so Caitlin has boards to take, and she'll take those after she graduates. And her final in this class right now that she's studying for is a – like A pre board, it's like basically the boards, and so yeah. it's a very important test for not only her like schooling, but it's Im- important for her to know that she'll be able to pass her boards and be a safe provider. So she's very, very stressed out. She's also so it's
0: like not just like a school thing, but also feels like a, a reflection of her as a professional.
1: <laughs> it's like a life of work thing. Um, so right. and Caitlin is not for all of her strengths, she's not super great at anticipating her needs, or like anticipating situations, and so I tend to do a lot of, I tend to fall into the role of like social manager, and that's really Mm -hmm. hard for me because I'm a social person, and just because you're studying doesn't mean my life is going to stop, and so then we get stuck in these situations where like she told me months ago she would come do a thing, and then now she can't do it, and I feel kind of stuck in the middle with that, and so the stressor is a thing. But then also me managing the stressor is also a thing. And so it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a very good learning experience for us. For me, I think essentially I boil it down to I am learning to respond from a place of empathy when I'm frustrated. And that's very, very hard for me. Because to me, it's like this seems so obvious. Like I, I, this, we should have known months ago that you were going to have this thing coming up. And we didn't. But we should have anticipated it. But that's not helpful now. And so responding from a place of empathy i think is never the wrong choice but also it's very it's really good i need to practice it because i'm not great at it
0: yeah man mm-hmm. i i you and mark could uh have a conversation about that because i think that there's knowing the thing of it you're exactly right knowing the thing of it is like That's a problem, what Caitlin, how Caitlin responds, or how Caitlin does not anticipate her needs and doesn't plan ahead and it causes issues. But ultimately, what's the bigger problem in terms of like your relationship to one another is how you handle those stressful situations. Cause you're gonna have one of those things is like a a small T thing. And I feel like the other one is a big T
1: thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The final point on what I'm gonna say here is that. Create, situations are created that are stressful in like an individual's life and that's what this studying situation is. It's a stressful situation and what is going to make and then Caitlin often and I do too respond with to stress with decision paralysis and that that's counterproductive. And so then mm-hmm. she's frozen in a decision and all she wants to do is is study and not d- disappoint me. And those are two. Those two things can't live together very well. And so, when I respond out of frustration, all I'm doing is adding another layer of how. Of I'm giving her more reasons to be paralyzed in decision making because she knows that if she makes a decision not to come to something that I want her to come to, that she'll be, you know, uh, that she'll be disappointing me and whatever. And so, that, mm-hmm. that's a vicious cycle, and it's also like not. It's it doesn't help anyone. Leaves everyone frustrated, and if I can only respond from a place of empathy and patience, then yeah. we are much better in shape.
0: And it's easier to respond from a place of empathy and patience when you remember one of our like kind of core beliefs here on this podcast, which is that your partner is a really reasonable, loving person who is doing the best that they can, absolutely, <laughs> with what they have. Which sometimes, what we have is not. A, sometimes what we have is not enough, <laughs> and yet also like
1: it is. What we have. And that and doesn't mean, mean that that, that person isn't enough. It just means that they don't have that per- enough of that skill.
0: So that's what's the state
1: of your union?
0: That is such a good way of putting that. Um, so this is a little bit more like kind of um, macro. But one of the things that I've been really thinking about recently is security and like how I think just kind of in my my work to be a more present person for my emotional and mental health, um, I have started to feel a lot more secure in the places where I haven't felt secure Mm -hmm. in my my marriage, I think, and in my living situation. Mm -hmm. So specifically in Pennsylvania, like I just have been feeling really like – I had the thought this week – if nothing else changed in my life, and I just lived in this apartment in this town with this person and this dog, with these resources that I have for the re- and this job in this exact same place for the rest of my life, I could be happy here. Yeah,
1: and that was a yeah. really wow. nice
0: thought. Can and like, you imagine anything on top Katie of that this? I think is plus three years ago. Oh my God, if three Katie from three years ago might have believed it. Katie from Katie from one year ago. I moved about three years, or I moved, this was the December of my, like, I moved two years ago. I moved in two thousand. S- oh God, it'll be three yeah. years and but so three years in it'll December, be right before yeah. graduation. So I think I would have been hopeful three years ago that this is what I would have been saying. But this time last year, I would have been, I would never have believed you because I was in such a terrible place. Right. So it's just nice to know. And, like, it also makes me feel, like, patient with regards to any other choices. Like, there doesn't feel like any rush whatsoever towards anything else right now, house or baby or whatever, because I just feel like we're good right now. I feel content. Yeah. So, and it's been – that's been really nice to be able to – I will say – that one of the reflections that I've had is that one of the the big shifts that has allowed this contentment to happen in a lot of ways yeah. is both of us having to like both of us having a job and having that stability of income. But what I've noticed is that our lifestyle has really not changed at all. Like nothing has really changed except for maybe the amount of money that we're able to save. Right. But what feels different is the, we feel safer. Mm -hmm. But it's just a reminder that all of the anxiety and the angst that we felt before was created in our mind. It was about something that, like, we were never going to, like, we were always going to be fine. Nothing changed. We were fine in that moment. You know, like, we're fine. And it's just a, it's... That's helpful for me to remember yeah. that the next time we're under stress, to just hold steady. Like it's yeah, gonna be okay. <laughs> that
1: stressful situations. I yeah, I think we've reflected on this before. It. Yeah, that just that like time is like it tells you, it brings you the things you're stressed out about now are not going to be the same things you're stressed out about in six months or a year or whatever. Yeah. Also, brief note: capitalism and people who always live in that space of like not not knowing and feeling insecure and all that stuff. That's, yeah, yeah, well, and I wouldn't feel like that. Like, I, I
0: recognize that there's a really big difference for me between feeling like I want my dream kitchen versus, wait, I can create my dream kitchen in this place where I'm living right this second. Right, right. And, or rather, I can create the feeling, so this is what I've been also thinking about recently, like, I can create the feeling that I think my dream kitchen is going to bring me in my kitchen currently right this second. I don't need to have... The feeling is not related to the stainless steel appliances necessarily. Right. <laughs> the, the feeling is related to something else. So anyway, with that, having that attitude... Like, I have that attitude with Mark right now and feeling happy and present and, like, feeling settled has honestly made me, like... He's a lot more enjoyable to be around when I don't feel like yeah. I... When I'm not looking for things that I'm missing out on. Yeah. but right? I'm not in a scarcity mindset... I'm able to see what I have in front of me. It's like gratitude changes things or something.
1: Wow. Yeah. So that <laughs> I don't know about that. I'd union. have to see some studies. I, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's like you feel good when you're thankful for things. Yeah.
1: So, Weird.
0: yeah, that's the state of the union. That's, yeah. Things are going pretty good this week. I'm in a good mood, obviously, you can tell. The sunshine's having a good effect yeah.
1: on me. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, sunshine, what are you consuming currently?
0: I'm consuming water because it is the March madness, and the beer that I was saving for this afternoon was consumed <laughs> in a fit of celebration or um, mourning last night. I can't be sure because I'm not interested. So.
1: <laughs> can't be sure because I don't give a shit. What are you drinking, Lauren? Um, I'm currently drinking a Mer- uh, Malbec, actually, leftover from my mom's book club this week. But the mm, more. Morning- wine club, you mean? Yeah, wine club, which the more important thing is that Sandy has exactly uh, one Christmas wine glass and it stays in our cabinet all year long because, you know, what does Charles Dickens say about keeping Christmas with you all year? I'll keep it every day or whatever. <laughs> um, but the, the wine glass says, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, but if the white runs out, I'll drink the red. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. See, that's a very, I, that's fascinating. Yeah, she got it from her, one of her book club friends. Oh yeah see
0: I I got a text from some of the girls up here that I'm friends with this morning asking if I wanted to do a book club and I was like every single book club I've ever done has like Uh, I have tried to be in a book club with you twice and it's always been like I start (laughs) I I read half the book once I drink I yeah I'm just not good at sticking to book clubs because I
1: really want to do them in theory like but I just I need my space you know I really forgot about that second one and the second one was just you and me and Caitlin wasn't it? You came I'm to my sure. apartment when I lived in the tiny bar- apartment.
0: I'm pretty sure. And we had and the couch,
1: have... like, all. F- it was a sectional, and it was, like, L-shaped, and we put them together, and it made this, like, nest, and we sat in the nest, and I think we ate, like, Thai food or something. That sounds familiar, yeah. but
0: also not familiar enough for me to know for sure. I remember the book. The, bu- the book was Afterbirth, wasn't it? Well, I definitely got you guys to read that book. No. I was supposed to be there that night, and I did not show up, even though I recommended oh, that book to everybody. at least,
1: That so it was at least then, right? It was at least. Yeah, I think yep. it was at least. That would have but been a good book club. was a, damn a good book situation. Club. Yeah, classic. I know. That would have been a damn good book club, and it's too bad you missed out.
0: It is way too bad that I missed out. Yeah. Anyway, speaking <laughs> anyway. of friends and things that, yeah, I don't know, this is a bad segue, list. but. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I know. <laughs> We really need to practice our segues. Um, yeah. Do you want, so here's our listener cue. I, I'm just going to read it. So. Yeah, just read it out loud. What's worse in a strictly monogamous marriage? Sexual infidelity or emotional cheating? Hmm. Uh, is that it? That's the only question? Mm-hmm. I can really talk myself down both paths. And I bet, if I know you, I bet you have a very easy answer on this. Uh-huh. Yeah. What do you think my answer is? Your answer is that emotional cheating is way worse. Oh.
0: Like, a hundred percent to the point where I almost don't really, I almost, like, don't even want to say it out loud because I don't want to jinx anything, but I almost don't particularly, like, care about sexual infidelity. I mean, I'm sure that I would care if I found out that Mark, Mark was cheating on me, but, like, there is a very, I find it extremely, I do not have to do mental gymnastics to get to, I can see how that could happen. Like, that's easy for me to understand, in other words. The, um, sexual infidelity is easy. Yeah, guess. yeah, yeah. Sexual infidelity feels like there's, I can see how there's a lot, there, that is a lot easier for me to understand, first of all. And second of all, I think that there are a lot fewer, um, like stop signs on, there can be a lot fewer stop signs on the way to sexual infidelity than there are necessarily on the way to emotional infidelity. Because I think that once, once you finally get to the place where you're emotionally cheating, like, that's okay. a relationship so, you've built up. Okay,
1: so here's my my question, then. Emotional cheating, what are the, like, what are the signs? So is that something, somebody that you're turning to know. for support? That you're connecting I, with, that you're flirting with?
0: Um, somebody, I think, that has taken the role of your partner. I would say, for me, I would start to feel guilty if... Because I have friends, I'm friends with, I mean, I, I have a lot of relationships with a lot of men that are on spectrums, um, and women that are on spectrums, but I have a, I would not feel guilty until I started thinking about them more than I was thinking about Mark. More Once I started to romanticize them in my head. Okay. And I feel like you can, there's just a really, you know the difference. Like, you would know the difference between, like, a romantic non, like a like a vibe, you know? Yeah, that's true.
1: But I don't know how to describe it. But, but it's like you, I,
0: you know the difference when there's the
1: vibe, right? <laughs> and like our our always and forever agreement is that if if one of us develops a crush on a, an, a another person, the first person we tell is our spouse because mm-hmm. there's so much in mystery and like sneaking that is mm-hmm. um that's dangerous. And and also usually not usually, but often we find that if we share it with each other, that that kind of takes the magic out of it and then we're like oh that person's just a person you Uh, know
0: it's so weird I had I I'm like working on this with somebody right now in a professional capacity about the idea of like just saying something out loud like a thought related to a sexual thought related to some or sexual or romantic thought related to somebody else saying that thought out loud to whether it's like a close confidant like your friend who is supportive of your marriage or your spouse is like it like takes the power out of it right away but keeping it in your head it, like, pours, like,
1: gasoline on the fire. Yeah, it's an echo chamber. Like, of you and yourself. And you can convince yourself of anything, especially when you're not talking about it out loud. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, but I feel, just because I know, I know 100% with no question in my mind that I am capable of sexual attraction and sexual behavior without, like, without... Emotionally betraying with while still holding Mark as the number one person in my heart. Not that I would, because I know that that is like that is an agreement. We have a monogamous relationship. Like that is an agreement that we've made. We wouldn't do that. But I know that I would be capable of that. Mm -hmm. Now I so so I if Mark were to ever do it, yeah, I think that I would buy. I would buy that story for sure. If if he said that it didn't mean anything, I would buy it. Mm -hmm. So for me, although I would never, if somebody had an emotional affair that I found out about. Like, if I, for instance, found, like, romantic, loving emails between Mark and somebody else, like, you can't say it didn't mean anything,
1: you know? Right. Because... What do you think? It, I really could go... Okay, so in theory, I think the sexual infidelity is a marked event that's, like... and Well, and it, it, could, it could or could not be. It could be something that happens one time. So I guess there's a lot of, like, gray in terms of what what we def- define as sexual infidelity one time or multiple times and usually if you're, if you're talking about a multiple time thing there's probably some kind of emotional cheating going on as well so that's a real mixed bag Agree. I think, I don't know that's that a I good could point. get and I am not a person that wait, 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 can we I think that there's a difference between an affair and cheating
0: right, like to yeah, I, an I, affair like, is I think, prolonged yeah, an affair is like I had an extramarital relationship and I think, that to me is a betrayal that I'm, that that's a different question altogether than what's, okay. what's worse, one or the other. <laughs> so, for the sake
1: of comparison, Let's if just do one or the are other. <laughs> we defining sexual infidelity as, like, a single instance?
0: Well, when, the way that I was thinking about this was cheating, like, I'm imagining, like, going out to the bar with your friends and, like, having a one-night, a random one-night stand with somebody uh-huh. versus um, emotional cheating, I'm imagining, like a deeply emotionally intimate relationship where like both people are not consummating it out of like principle gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> that's okay. what i was imagining yeah um because anything else other than like if you get into the gray areas on
1: the spectrum then it's like that i can't say which is worse either or right and i honestly i could i mean obviously neither one is great so i could really argue like either way yeah, if you
0: I if think you my... agreed to not to be monogamous then like yeah don't betray your
1: partner. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think that, okay, my sticky wicket for sexual infidelity is that this, sex is such a big part of a relationship and it's a huge part of your marriage. And so the knowledge that there has been some kind of, um, like a, like someone stepping out on the other person without like that person knowing about it, that's that affects, that. I think that would affect my like mindset around sex for such a long time. That would be very, very difficult for me to get over. Yeah, that said, I, And honestly, all those I can't things, even imagine
0: it. Right. <laughs> so. All those
1: things are off. Oh god, no. And we both married very, very loyal people. This is like very much an otherworldly kind of discussion. Um, right. That I think the emotional cheating. It would be harder for me to define. I don't know. Caitlin doesn't like anybody else anyway. So, <laughs> like, I, I guess I could see. I don't know. I really can't see either happening in my particular marriage relationship. But, I mean, in my dating relationships, you know, those kinds of things existed. Yeah.
0: I mean, honestly, I've thought before, like, like what did Mark – who was it that Mark was meeting? Oh, my God. Mark has this track coach that he used to coach track with who um, is – a complete babe. Like, to say that she is, like, like, hot in a thorough way is, like, an understatement. And she's also, like, super cool and, like, really, really smart and, like, the nicest person ever. And, like, she and Mark have the same hobbies down to the point where, like, Mark has been talking about this, like, niche thing with this podcast that he listens to this like contest that they have on this podcast he's been talking about it for like two months now uh-huh. and he found out while he was listening to the podcast the other day that this girl that he used to coach track with like submitted something for this contest oh and my like God. he like got so excited that he knew somebody and like they were texting about it and I was like I would not blame him if he would rather hang out with her than me. Like, I just really would not. Yeah. Like, and so I, that's the stuff that I've thought about, but it's always more about the emotional stuff than, like, the, just, like, because I feel like, for me, there's, there is a really big difference in our, in our interests. And I always, there is an area of insecurity in me that, like. He really does win. Like the one thing that he wishes was different about me is that he really wishes that I was like an enthusiastic yeah, sports fan right. instead of like a reluctant like non-complainer. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> a reluctant non-complainer. But yeah, so yeah, so uh, yeah, so emotional. Che- so you. So you're saying that you can see the emotional so for, cheating
0: part. Like, uh, so for me, like I could see that's that's a fear that I have more than. What I'm saying is that that's a fear that I have. Not a fear that I have in our relationship, but, like, when I think about emotional cheating, it touches a fear that's deeper in me than whatever fear is touched by,
1: by, by sexual infidelity. Infidel- yeah. yeah. I, just, right, I right. think I have sexual a Sexual really- infidelity
0: can be can seem random to me, whereas emotional infidelity would feel like I'm not fulfilling a need of yours. Yeah. You know?
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes what sense. What do you think? Yeah. Why I interrupted you. Um, this is a really tough one. I think... Because I think, that because for me, the sexual fidelity piece is more visceral, so I can yeah. feel that in a way that emotional cheating is something that's really hard, I think it's hard to identify and hard to, to name. I mean, I you it, what's that, the Supreme Court justice that says, like, pornography, I'll know it when I see it, type thing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think when, I you saw,
1: when you know when something's, you know, emotional cheating, and I guess if I don't think about it in the context of my marriage and I think about it in, like, other relationships, I know what that feels like and that's a huge betrayal as well and it's also more frustrating because it's harder to say like it's very easy to say i'm fr- i am mad and betrayed and hurt by this sexual escapade but it's harder to right. say like but you crossed an emotional line there's there's less like footing i guess for you to stand on so that would be i think very frustrating
0: right and it would be very hard to say like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there especially like the less footed is a really good way to say yeah, it. Like, how would here's where it like, happened.
1: Here's where the emotion is. And why happened.
0: you feel uncomfortable about it. And, like, there's not really, we don't have, we definitely don't have, like, a cultural narrative about emotional cheating the way we do about sexual cheating. Yeah. Which is why, because which is, I, think, I wonder because how of the often it exists.
1: Yeah, probably. And I also wonder how, how, how often does emotional cheating exist in a prolonged sense without eventual sexual infidelity? I mean, maybe a lot. But hmm. um, I'm thinking about the world like what
0: I do yeah because I'm thinking about emotional and like how often I have really emotionally intimate conversations with with men. And I was I like laughed a little bit because I was like literally all day every single day. that's like my job yeah, yeah. <laughs> is to have, but and there I can see how people in my career like I, I, I'm just speaking honestly here like I can see how people in my field who are not paying attention, can easily slip into emotional, like, irresponsibility. Yeah. And so I can see how you could do that in a relationship, too, like in a marriage. You right.
1: Know, and I guess into people do always go, jump, make that jump, because that's really clear. That's a very clear delineation. When I jump from emotional cheating to sexual infidelity, again, that's, you know exactly now my partner that has footing. But with yeah. the emotional thing, I can play with that more. So maybe there's a safe space. And you can
0: rationalize it. For and... a person
1: that's seeking some kind of something else, like another need, you know. You can rationalize mm-hmm. it. Exactly. So I wonder if there's like, there's a world of emotional cheating that happens that it's just so, it that never makes it past. Because mm-hmm. once you've made it past, then, then you're making a real decision. And for people who, and I, and I do know people who kind of like waffle in indecision, you know, in terms of like relationships and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, okay, what I just thought saying, of an is example that, of what, emotional cheating and now it? I think that's way worse.
0: <laughs> can you, is it something that you can say? <laughs> no, it's
1: not. But I just thought of somebody, yeah. something that happened and, then, and now I can, like, somebody I know that, like, definitely was participating in a, an emotional cheating. And I, I guess I hadn't put that name, particular name on it before. Right. But, like, right, right, I right. guess, okay, so the way that the one that, the reason that one strikes me is because that person was checked out of a relationship. Emotionally, mm. you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you can be sexually in, in, infidel, infidel, a sexual infidel. You can be <laughs> a sexual infidel. You can be, yeah, you can be, you can cheat on someone. Yeah, you, <laughs> unfaithful, you, right? You can be unfaithful to a partner and still be like physically unfaithful to a partner, and still be emotionally unfaithful to that partner. I'm emotionally faithful.
0: Emotionally faithful, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. You can be physically unfaithful, emotionally faithful. We've like, absolutely, you can. And I think that like. I just think that there's a lot of other reasons. I think that if I believe in my heart, like, I would be pissed if, like, Mark and I have agreed on monogamy, and if he, like, went back on an agreement, I'd be pissed. Now, and everybody knows that if either one of us is going to do that, then it's not going to be Mark. No, right, like, exactly. But um, – and I wouldn't, but, like, because it's very important to not do that to my husband. Right, exactly. Um, But I also – but I know – just, like, as a scientific fact that sex and sexual behaviors, so, like, kissing and beyond, fill many needs far beyond, like, emotional intimacy. And, like, I don't know, like, how many times in college did I, like, get drunk and make out with somebody on the dance floor because it felt fun to have someone's face on my face? Like, you know, I could just see, <laughs> yeah. like, I can just see that, like, I, I can just see myself being much more conciliatory with a like something casual and whoopsies. Um, okay. Granted, I cannot see my husband ever doing something like that, right? So. And I think that's an important. Piece. And he would never be okay with that, so I keep a very tight leash on myself.
1: Well, and what we okay? So and in and I won't speak for you, but in my relationship, and I think that, I won't speak for you, but I probably could because <laughs> in my relationship and in and I think a lot of marriage relationships that are monogamous, what you hold when you trust that person so completely is so utterly valuable that yeah. any kind of infidelity, whether it's emotional or sexual is such an affront. And it's not something I, I doubt, de- I don't believe that it can't be. I do believe that it can be worked through. I think that I've seen couples do it successfully work past yeah. and an inf- like an in infidelity. Yes. um, But
0: it's such an assault on what
1: you have. I have had like, dreams before, and Caitlyn has too, where we've, like, been unfaithful in our dreams, and just the overwhelming sense of guilt, and the way that, like, when things are okay in my marriage, I feel okay. Even if everything else is going to shit in the world. When things are okay with Caitlyn, I'm okay. You feel a sense of stability. Not, exactly. When things are not okay with Caitlyn, doesn't matter if everything else is great. Doesn't matter if I just won a, a yacht, and I've got like, a personal chef, like, it doesn't matter how what else is going on in my life, if things are not okay with Caitlyn, I'm not okay. So I yeah. guess either one is such a huge affront to me within this particular kinds of marriage relationship. It's hard to determine which one is worse, because either one could break it.
0: That's true. Yeah. And I think it, it is a personal, it is a personal thing, and I do think that that's why, like, that's why Esther Perel always says that, like, I wish that I had read, I still haven't read, um, um, what is the book that she just wrote um, about affairs? Um, I keep thinking eight dates. because the, the State oh, of state Affairs. The State of Affairs. Okay. Yeah. Um, she maintains that um, we ha- we are wrong-headed when we think that infidelity is always the end of a relationship. But she says that infidelity is always an assault to the relationship. And yes. that it needs to be treated as such. Yes. But if we approach it as an assault that needs tender loving care we can heal from it you know um but it requires a certain approach and for me i'm just saying that like i it would really depend on the circumstances but when i'm creating when i'm creating this black and white like dichotomy if it's going to be an either or question then it's easy for me to say um like what i could i could explain away the physical stuff or I could rather, I, rather, I could rationalize that in a way that I couldn't rationalize the other stuff, I don't think. I see. So, but I don't know. I, you know, I really have no idea and I will admit, like, I have never been cheated on to my knowledge and come, I will, I am, I've seen enough stuff to know that I really have no idea what I speak on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I have no clue. I cannot speak about what it, what I would do. It's like saying what I would do if my husband was killed. Like, I have no idea. I have right. no idea. Absolutely. Right. So. Whew. Yeah, that's a hard one. I really that hope that is really that... hard.
1: And I would be interested. I'm actually gonna. I would like to post this question on our Instagram and have people and f- feel like feel it out and see what people think. And because it is like obviously creating a dichotomy is hard. Like both of those things. And are obviously
0: bad. the answer is both. Right, both, both of them are bad. terrible. <laughs> both
1: of them are terrible for reasons we just talked about. And, yeah, and, and nobody's gonna go in there and be like, well, it's like this is you know. I think it's great when somebody is emotionally unfaithful to their partner. Like, that's obviously bad. Betrayal is the best. So I guess (laughs) maybe which would be easier to recover from, an emotional or a physical? And work out the wording. Think about it. If if the wording is as such, which is easier to recover from, I I think for me, it would be easier to recover from an emotional situation. And it sounds like for you, it would be easier to recover from a physical incident
0: hundred, Yeah, 100%. Interesting. I love when we find out how – I love when you and me are different. Yeah. Like, that's just because right. there's not a lot of – I always think of us as being so similar. Yeah, we are
1: in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. But that's I, crazy. Yeah. Right. Huh. So, sorry,
0: listener. We're not letting you off the hook for whatever you did one way or
1: the other. <laughs> it's all bad. Every It's, it's all bad. All,
0: yeah, and because ultimately the idea is that, like, for me, it ultimately comes down to – I pride myself, I'm a total flake, but I pride myself, if I've ever said the words, I promise to Mark, I've never broken that. And I know, and I I don't say it very often, but like, I know that. And so for me, it would be a big betrayal of like, I would have to be very much not thinking about him in the least to do something like that. And I just can't, I can't imagine there would have to be a whole bunch
1: of other stuff going right. on. Right. I know, I really it's which is probably like I, or a good I would have sign. to be like really fucked up. It's probably a good sign that neither of us can really like picture the situation that that would ha- that that would occur, you know, the, the yeah, proper yeah. environment for infidelity of either way. You
0: know yeah although I'm I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there that said that they would never that they never had expected it K- you know. yeah but. exactly exactly
1: and yeah and Caitlin <laughs> Caitlin has a lot of dreams where she's about to marry the wrong person and she feels like okay like and it's always a person that she likes like it's her high school best friend or like one of my friends like she's like I like this person but it's just it's not right. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel good, and then there's always a piece of the dream where she remembers that she used to be married to me, and then and then she's wow. always like, yeah, this is like one of her most frequently recurring dreams.
0: That's crazy. That's I wonder what that if I was a the type of therapist who like believed
1: in Aww. dreams. You want to know like, what she said? What it's cute. She says it's my psyche trying to to process that this is really real. That I really get you. Oh, I know. See, That's really we sweet. Are, we just we really shouldn't cheat on each other. <laughs> That's really exactly. <laughs> I was, you know, we were kind of on the fence before, but. <laughs>
0: Oh Well, okay, so speaking of things that we should and shouldn't do in our relationships. Yes. Man, no, you know what? The power of the mind to create physical sensations. I feel like I've got spiders crawling all over me, oh, me man. now because it's a spider that I saw on the wall earlier. Um, <clears throat> okay, so our topic for today, we're talking about emotional intelligence, which have you heard? I'm sure you've heard the phrase emotional intelligence yes. before. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're talking about <coughs> emotional intelligence is not like actually like there's probably people out there who will say like that's intelligence that's a misuse of the word intelligence which is like okay fine but (laughs) what emotional intelligence is describing is basically um the ability to monitor your own emotions and other people's emotions the ability to discriminate between emotions so like to tell what they are and to label them appropriately and the ability to use emotional information to guide thinking and behavior so the two like leading the two leaders in the field right now are these people, Travis Bradbury and Jean Greaves. Um, And they describe emotional intelligence as a combination of four skills, self-awareness and self-management, so skills that are more about you, Mm -hmm. and then social awareness and relationship management, so skills that are more about other people. Mm -hmm. So obviously emotional intelligence is like super, super important to marriages. um, But there is um, a lot of research out there that says that well, first of all, it's really emotional intelligence is really gendered. Does that surprise you at all? No, it disappoints me, but it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and I think of that – I don't think of that as being an inborn thing because, frankly, like the men that I know – this has been such something I've been thinking about so much recently. Like the men that I know have so much emotional depth, but um, – and, and in a lot of cases are really um, – interested in exploring that emotional depth but don't really have the framework right through which to do that we which don't get emotional to them. intelligence as a society is. we don't we don't and that's what that is like I think it's a training and an upbringing yeah. thing so it really affects my marriage as a per like as a, a marriage that is um half you know one man. woman mm-hmm. and one man yeah like a heterosexual marriage
1: <laughs> they found you those bumper stickers marriage equals one man one woman.
0: this is back in the doma days
1: this is like pre-2011 oh yeah that was good times anyway i
0: got i
1: got tripped up
0: on thinking about i was gonna say as somebody who was married to a man but actually the research says that gay men typically are better are more emotionally intelligent than straight men because they have in a lot of ways like had to step to the plate in some ways yeah and and had to and in a lot of cases, I think that having to go through an emotionally, like having to question your, um, where you, you fit in, being a, a minority in any way, I think probably um, teaches you a lot about emotions. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so like marriages, heterosexual marriages tend to do better when men, with men who are more emotionally intelligent. Well, so this is can't. an area that I'm super, super interested in.
1: Yes. You know, yeah. okay, so I was thinking about, um, well, Katie, and I saw Glennon speak. We've talked about that before. But mm-hmm. what Glennon says is that as a society, we take, we you know, if people are three things, mind, body, spirit, we take women and we tell them their bodies are wrong, bad, something to be ashamed of. And so women are totally, are forced to live divorced from their bodies. So they're just mind, spirit. And then with men, we take, you know, men and we tell them all their emotions are bad and, you know, those are bad. And so they have to divorce themselves from their their spirits, right? So then we've got, they're at both both parties flying with a, with a wing missing, and then right. then they marry each other, and then we have all of these these complex dynamics that come out of that because of the way that we are socialized, which I think is a really um, enlightened perspective. And it's just yeah. it's important to understand that that's a starting point because when you're having those conversations, we need to understand how social cues, social norms, and uh, play into the way that we've developed our our emotional intelligence.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's frustrating for me because I, you, and me were both raised in households with high levels of emotional intelligence, and if only because like you had a very emotionally intelligent mother, mm-hmm. I had a mother who was really like we definitely talked a lot about emo- a lot about emotions in my house. I, both of us are emotionally intelligent people, and I do emotional intelligence for my literal job. Yeah. So this is an area that. I'm really, really skilled in, and I, it also happens to be my area of interest. So in addition to being skilled in it, I also actively try to get better at it. Like I'm always, this is my area of interest. Mm-hmm. So that is something that, in addition to having the social cues I bring to my marriage, And then my husband is somebody who did not grow up in a house with high – he grew up in a house with high levels of positivity, which is not to be confused with high levels of emotional intelligence. Because, again, just to reiterate, emotional intelligence is about – being able to understand the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual experiences of emotions, being aware of them as they happen, and then being able to articulate them. And then not only that, but being able to understand where they come from. That's also, it's the difference between, to illustrate this, I'm going to use a metaphor that I heard on a podcast from like a, like a Buddhist recently, mm-hmm. um, whose name I now do not remember. But she said, if you approached a dog in the woods and the dog lunged at you and was snarling, you would be, like, probably think that that dog was, you know. Rabid or rabbit Rabid or uh-huh. dangerous, right. But if you approached the dog and saw that the dog was, had a, trapped in a bear trap, had its leg mm. trapped in a bear trap, you would shift and you would instead think, oh, that dog is in pain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it takes an understanding of emotions. It takes an understanding of how emotions work and function in order to be able to interact and have healthy relationships with people. And I find this coming up all the time in my marriage because there's such a, all of that talking about my high emotional intelligence was not just me bragging. My husband, I think, is somebody who is a man and also grew up in a household where it wasn't sure. necessarily. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. He grew up in a household where it was deaf, surrounded by other men Right. Or, emotional communication was definitely not actively modeled for him and so we come across discrepancies in emotional intelligence or like this causes issues often like an inability to understand specifically how Mark is feeling there's a big difference I found one of the th- one of the things that I found to illustrate this which I think is really helpful is that there's a really big difference between saying I'm sad and saying, I'm grief stricken, or I'm melancholy, mm-hmm. or I I feel heavy, you know, there's a really, or I'm angry versus, I'm pissed off at you versus, I'm feeling misunderstood and betrayed. Yeah. You know, like, those are really different things to communicate. And I find myself, like, not understanding when Mark is really trying to
1: communicate something. Right. <laughs> well, and often that just comes from being the specificity of the language. And- being able to to make that distinction between I'm I'm angry. Well, it's matching
0: the language to the specificity of the emotion, you know.
1: Exactly. Well, and I think a lot of times as a society we only give men space to be angry and that's the only thing that they're allowed to project, the only emotion yeah. other than like just general neutrality, you know, like yeah. you're feeling something and like I definitely have men in my life that that only know how to project anger. And a lot of times I mean, it, it's taken me a long time to realize that when that person is projecting that anger, that's really, that's that's the that's the dog in the bear trap, and yeah. and fi- and that's and it's like that person doesn't even know that mm-hmm. because they not so true. Emotional intelligence, I think, is probably one of the most when you're dealing with somebody who's being difficult. I, I am shocked, even just in like my professional life, how few people really have skills in the area of emotional talent intelligence.
0: Yeah, that's so true. You know, and I, I, well, people who don't understand the impact of their words, that is an example of low emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or people that don't, I often think about people who do not show emotional intelligence, and this is going to sound like a, an annoying millennial thing to say. So I'm sorry to any people who are generations above millennial, but I notice a lot of emotional intelligence issues in emails, like people that mm-hmm. don't, don't take the, you cannot have tone come across in emails perfectly, Mm -hmm. but there are things that you can do to make an email like seem like to, to seem emotionally intelligent in an email. (laughs) Um, and, and I, I noticed that so much that people seem to not think that it matters, but emotional people talk a lot about emotional intelligence in business worlds because you have to be really emotionally intelligent in order to, Frankly, manipulate people and like get things from
1: people. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Because you need to be able to read your client or your customer. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. Did you get the marriage minute last week about emotional agility? Oh my gosh, um, I probably did, but I didn't read it. Say, mm, what it, it's tell so me about good. it. Okay. So this this fits in. It, emotional agility is the ability to apply the right emotion to the right person in the right situation at the right time. Yes, 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 yes. So it's the next step of emotional, of intelligence. Being able to understand your own emotions and respond to your own emotions and then also being able to communicate those emotions to the right person at the right time. Like that agility, that's a skill that even less people have. I just had a conversation at work last week about a scheduling thing and it was very like not, I went in with like, oh, let's talk about this scheduling thing. And the person responded with such fury that I was like, very taken aback, and I was like, "Whoa, this person is not practicing emotional agility." There's something. Yeah! Else, this is not about the schedule, like this. The, you know, I don't know where and and but having an understanding of everybody else's like kind of read on emotional intelligence and and or emotional agility can help you kind of process some things because there's a time as a younger person that I might have been very offended by that, you know, like very like bothered and and yeah. I think having learned that. When people communicate that way, they're really trying to communicate, like some. This is not about you. When you, yeah, when you they're, experience they're a disproportionate response, that's because it's not about this small thing.
0: There's that's something exactly else right. going
1: on.
0: Gosh, that is such good wisdom to have. <sighs> the older I get, the more I think like, I wish that I knew these things when I was younger. And then I think <laughs> that's how it is when you get old. Right. Not everybody says that. <laughs>
1: you know my my big. Uh, my big life motto right now is that yeah. li- life is just a series of decision making before you have all the information.
0: <laughs>
1: I love that. Mm-hmm. I have you heard
0: um, that reminds me of my other like a, another favorite thing that I like from recently, which is that um, anxiety is just believing conspiracy theories about your own life.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That's yes. Like,
0: you have no information, but you believe it very fervently. Right. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> and God. In fact, probably nothing has actually happened. <laughs> That, okay, I'm
1: really gonna take that with me this week. That's gonna be my. Uh, it's just believing
0: conspiracy theories about your own life. Intention. I'm so glad that resonates yeah, with you too. It does. Well, so I, the emotional agility thing and being able to understand other people's capacity. First of all, here's the caveat to this, <clears throat> listeners. Take it from me. When, Ooh, we got Miss Kay on
1: the line here. I can not
0: Yeah, pull your seat up closer and listen to me when I say that when you point out to your partner that they're caught in an emotion, in a younger emotional state, like say eight years old, and that it's not their fault because they were never taught how to be emotionally mature, they're probably not going to take that very well. Really? That is not an emotionally intelligent thing to say, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, wow. <laughs> however, however, it is an emotionally intelligent thing to remember. Remember for yourself that when you are it can be super helpful when your partner is having like a response that you find to be like really not emotionally appropriate, like not again, what you just said, like out of um out of Disproportionate response. Disproportionate disproportionate response, right. Um, It's usually a very good sign that they are, like, working through something and maybe a way that they don't have the emotional skills to do. And so I can actually see, like, I can literally see on my husband's face, like, how old he – if you asked me, like, to guess how old he feels during certain situations when I'm talking to him about things, like, I can tell how old he feels because I can tell that, like, that's not – he doesn't know how to have this conversation. It's a tough thing and he doesn't yeah. know how to have it because the emotions are really overwhelming for him and it makes him feel like he can't, he feels like he can't manage them, which makes him feel like he's like 11, <laughs> you know? And that's not his fault. Right. And in a lot of ways, I don't know, the other thing that I notice with the, with him and like the emotional intelligence is that I notice when he is feeling really bad or really blue And I often ask him before he's figured out how to say how he's feeling. And he does not know how, like, he doesn't know how to describe it. But he just knows he doesn't feel good. Right. And so he often, he uses the word depressed to describe all states of bad feelings. Uh And, and, like, as a therapist, that doesn't tell me a whole lot. Because I can tell that he's not depressed. Um, But he, you know, so I don't know. And, like, if I were to say, like, for you – where do you find your emotional intelligence levels in your relationship?
1: That is also definitely my strength. Like, I can tell you, I think because I grew up with a mental health counselor as a parent. Like
0: I, That's part of why you and me are friends is that we, like, love emotional intelligence. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I, I generally, as soon as I know that emotions are messengers and that as soon as I feel something that there's, there's and it, the feeling doesn't exist, it's divorced from it, any other reality. That that's coming you from You can somewhere. listen
0: to it instead of, like... You know, yeah. yeah,
1: so I am very. I have found that that's also definitely one of my my skills, and I've, I've seen that even in my my interpersonal relationships that are not romantic, like my friendships. I agree. Things like that. <laughs> Ooh, oh, drink. drink. Oh, I finished my wine, yeah. so Sorry, Millie. Yeah, um, will yeah. drink water. I I agree. You are quite emotionally intelligent. Oh, I thank you. Um, but that's something that that Caitlin has, and she is very open about the fact that she's grown a lot emotion in terms of emotional intelligence since we've been together. I often pick up on Caitlin's. Um, emotions before she she knows about them. Mm-hmm. Millie, what are yes. your emotions right now? Millie,
0: are you feeling Million's upset? Urgency. There's lots and lots of urgency. Oh yeah,
1: that's a good one. Yeah, the
0: neighbor's dog is being walked. I apologize. It'll stop soon. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> well, that's does she is she receptive to that? Is she mm-hmm. does she like not in
1: the moment? No, not in the moment. That's definitely a soft start startup type. Like we're going to talk about this later type of a situation. Um, however, so yes, I I think that in the ways that we kind of build each other up. I have certainly used, um, I have built up Caitlin's ability to emotionally um, communicate her her feel, or to communicate about her emotions. That's certainly like something that I brought to the table. That yeah. I think that the, what is challenging though, is that I always interpret, and this is something that I'm working on, I always interpret a negative vibe from Caitlin as a slight about our relationship or about something that I'm doing and it's not. Uh, and because she doesn't always have the words to put around like where, the what's going on um, it's hard for her to kind of convince me that I'm not right when I'm like no, yeah. but I know you're mad at me. And she's like no yeah. I, I 100% am not. Like 100% I'm not mad. I'm stressed about whatever. And so that's something we've gotten better at but it's definitely still a challenge um, uh-huh. because I want to I think, and probably it's a self-fulfilling thing because I learned that this was a good thing. That when I when I would reach out to Caitlin and be like, hey, something's off, that we would have good, good things would come out of that. So now Mm -hmm. I am very aware of her emotions at all times. And so when something shifts, I'm learning like, okay, that's not necessarily about me. Like it's not about or us. It might be something totally different.
0: you have taken the responsibility for a long time Mm -hmm. to – this is the role of a, of a teacher in some ways, and in a relationship, I think that we do take the role of a teacher in a lot of ways. You have taught her how to do something, and now like you have to realize when you can step back and allow her to manage it on her own, yeah. and you don't have to like get in there and like be super, and especially knowing when it doesn't have to do with you, and like when, yeah, that's all, yeah. that requires emotional intelligence on your part, mm-hmm. like paying attention to her emotional experiences. Right, and maturity. <laughs> yeah, it does, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, one of the areas where Mark struggles is with emotional recovery. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, that's, that's, I think, because of his relationship to emotions because, and I'm not perfect with this, but like, I recognize like, I, I'm at the point now where I can tell you like, okay, I'm currently struggling with emotional recovery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But like, what I mean by that is feeling really strong emotions and then being able to like, process them, have catharsis, and then move on without feeling bad about the emotion.
1: Yeah, and I <clears throat> I could definitely relate because the dynamic is similar in our relationship. I feel like I often I need to have the conversation to come to Kavarsais. Like and to feel me too. and and once we've had that conversation and it's all out on the table, then it's a matter of me processing things and that I know how to do. So I'm good. Like I we can I am as happy as I I'm actually probably happier than I was before we had whatever disagreement or conversation. Me too. But the opposite. I need them in
0: order to get to the place of healing, and in fact, afterwards, I want to go out to dinner and, like, hug each other. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And that exact opposite is true for my wife. Like, she didn't know yeah. that things were wrong before. <laughs> Until That's we exactly. had the conversation. You know?
0: Why do we all – I just was listening to another podcast where somebody said in every relationship <laughs> they find that there's, like – they're the one of them, and the other one's the other one of them, yes. and I'm like, yeah, in this relationship, Mark and Ka- we are, I am the Lauren, and Mark is the Caitlin. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, well, that so so we are similar, except about emotional cheating and physical cheating. Except about that one thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good that we have something to make us individuals. <laughs> yes, that's
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I do, it is a hard thing, but it's taken, it's taken, I'll tell you guys, like, one of the things that's, I'm always working on is learning that my emotional way is not always the right emotional way. The same way that I, I expect Mark to understand that like his sequence of doing things and how he likes his life run is not the only right way to do it. Um, And so like if, if Caitlin or Mark like needs, I used to get frustrated that like after this cathartic healing conversation for me, that like we couldn't go out afterwards and like, that's when I feel the most connected, honestly, is after a good talk, like, after mm. a fight. <laughs> yeah. is like, yeah. Uh, that's when I feel the most connected. And that's when he's feeling super – he needs, like, really time alone to reintegrate. And there was a time when I used to get frustrated with him and or get hurt by that, like, feeling like, I'm not mad anymore. Why are we still fighting? Like, why are you still treating it like that? But now I'm, I'm really trying to recognize that, like, he just needs space to, like, reconnect to himself, to get some perspective, to, like, take it all in. And I think that that's okay,
1: you know? Yeah, that- no, it definitely is. And it's a good experience. It's definitely okay. And it's a good experience for us as the, you know, as on the op- opposite side of that spectrum to learn to accept and support our partners when they need yeah. that time.
0: All right. So, um, well, so emotional intelligence, just like everything else that we talk about, Lauren, emotional intelligence is like one of those things that we can dive deep into for forever and ever. But there's this awesome article that I found on it that I will post in the show notes that um, I find to actually be like a really helpful one um, with concrete tips on how to increase emotional intelligence in your marriage. And um, I would say that the number one tip that I have and the number one tip from this article too is that increasing your emotional vocabulary and becoming aware and familiar with your physical experience of your emotions. Mm. So like uh, becoming aware of your emotions as physical experiences. So when you're feeling sad, literally pausing and asking yourself like, how am I... How is this manifesting in my physical body? Um, that will really help you to increase increase your emotional intelligence. Because oftentimes our body is registering things like 100 days before our head is. So mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's true. Thanks for letting me talk about one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. Yeah. I, I think this is not going to be our last conversation on this topic. This is a really fascinating, wide yeah. expand. It, it it really does encompass like such a large ex- part of Being a human and relating to other humans.
0: Yeah, and it really it makes sense to me why successful marriages have emotionally intelligent spouses. Like Mm -hmm. you have to have in a marriage that is not like a traditional like or like like a full on business arrangement or like a marriage where like you it has like a kind of a suck it up type of a Mm -hmm. undertone to Mm -hmm. the marriage. Emotional intelligence is crucial because if you're going to have any kind of like a relationship, you have to understand how each other moves emotionally. Absolutely. So.
1: And if you don't have emotional intelligence, it doesn't mean you aren't going to argue and resolve things. But if you're not fighting about the right things, if you're not arguing about what you're really feeling, if you don't know, mm-hmm. if you don't have emotional emotional intelligence, there's no way for you to know why you're feeling that way. So that yeah. problem is not resolved. The next time things come around, even if the partner does what you ask them to, maybe that's not what you actually really needed. Yep.
0: Yep. So many problems can come from like misinterpretations or like, um, simply like not understanding what is happening with you. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's just, and this is also like a shout out to like, one of the key things, if you have little kids, one of the key things that you can do is when you're, when they're having like really strong emotions, point out to them, you're feeling frustrated right now. Oh God, yeah. And where is it? Like, how do you know you're feeling frustrated? Ask that. Like, before you help them to fix the problem, because I know if you, if anybody, I'm anticipating right now what my husband would say to this. Well, them knowing what their emotion is doesn't fix the problem. Okay, uh, these are two different issues. Number one, I
1: not- yes. Sometimes it does. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, that's sometimes true. They just yeah, work right. for it. Oh, frustration. Oh. Sphere. Yeah. Oh, sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sad,
0: right. Exactly. You're that makes you're exactly right, Laura. Knowing what something is puts us in control of it first of all. And second of all, I'm not saying that we're not going to solve the problem. We will solve the problem. But if you say, what is it? You're feeling frustrated. How is it that you know that you're frustrated? Well, they're going to say, oh, I feel frustrated because my hands are clenched and because she did something wrong. And, you know, you're teaching that's literally teaching them emotional intelligence. And one day they will be able to call you and describe the very complicated kaleidoscope of emotions that they have. And you will understand them clearly because you taught them to be emotionally intelligent. Yes. Yes. That's my, Start that's my early on that. Start early. Yeah, especially with your boys who are not going to get that socialization training from the stuff that they watch Anything out else. in the wild. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: If you because even boy play is more about physical movement and girl play is about emotional movement, right? Like the same way we do a really good job encouraging girls to have physical play in their childhood. And I think that we need to push. Um, I'm on a soapbox now. Yeah. But emotional play is just as important. Absolutely. It really is. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm recommending Emotional Intelligence for small children. What are
1: you <laughs> recommending this week? Okay, I'm really excited. I actually have two recommendations. No I way. do too. Okay, great. So one of them has probably been talked about, so I'll start with that one. Uh, Russian Doll on Netflix. You- I
0: watched like two episodes of it and while I was getting ready in the morning, so I need to come back and revisit if you're going to recommend.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's very good. It's also, I think, emblematic of the feeling in our – I think in our society and the people that are making media right now, there's a lot of talk about the afterlife and mm-hmm. morality. And I think that's something that we're just kind of like, it's not to, not to get too dark here, but it's just like... all a little existential. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a challenging time. And I think that one of the most beautiful things that we can do is take the fears that we have, the anxiety that we have, and channel that into art. Because as John Greed says, art is not... It's almost as if art isn't optional for humans. So yeah. I highly, highly recommend this podcast, The not podcast, <laughs> um, this TV show on Netflix. Um, and also, Natasha Leone is um, Natasha Leone. Yeah, she's your girl. She's the best. <laughs> That's she's my the Natasha Leone impression. Was I love her. 10 out of 10. It, it I, was good. I, I didn't so. realize
0: what you were doing at first, but then when <laughs> I realized what you were doing, then in hindsight, it was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah, so that's good. So the second one comes to you from Georgia Hartstark's um, uh, Instagram. So if you yes, saw this that tiny chef? No, but okay. Also <laughs> tiny chef. No, this is a this is a true crime podcast called Mile Marker One Eighty One. Oh no! Yes, it is excellent. It is the person. Oh, it's just a layperson that is uh, that's doing the, the reporting. But it's it's like Serial in that it's unfolding currently. So I caught up to the podcast, but it's still going on there's the investigation well the the police investigation is closed the crime occurred in 2011 so it's very it's honestly this is the way i like to hear true crime things reported it's victim centered she does a, like an episode about the victim every couple of episodes just to remind you this is not just facts and figures we're talking this is someone's life and um she interviews like people that were close to the um, the victim and i i think it's a very well researched podcast um and I highly recommend it. If you're a person that's into, like, true crime, um, yeah, it's great. I cannot
0: wait to start that immediately because I have been, like, having a severe lack of entertaining podcasts. The only podcasts that are in my queue right now are, like, like really heavy ones or, like, like spiritual ones that I'm just, like, never in the mood for. Yeah, so right. I'm
1: excited. All right, so that one's not – it's not light, but it's – as true, true crime goes, it's light-ish. I've only, like, gotten misty-eyed once.
0: So. Oh no! True crime to me is always light, um, and I know that that's like a
1: rude thing to no, say. No. But what I meant by heavy is like political. Okay. Well, you know how Karen and Georgia explain it. That yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's we are right. we are just coping with the reality. Yeah, we're just, yep.
0: yeah. And look, and if I I I'm not alone in this, so I don't
1: have anything to be ashamed of. Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: Okay, um, what are you good So the first thing that I'm going to recommend is for my birthday, my sweet hubby got me um, a couple's massage, got us a couple's massage, Mm -hmm. and I am really recommending a couple's massage. First of all, I've never had a massage before, but the experience of doing self-care together I thought was, like, really nice, and I just like the idea of Mark and I, like, taking time, slow time together to, like, just take care, Um, and not to, like... Not for – there's it's a different category of how we spend our time versus, like, getting things done and entertainment, right? Like, self-care is something different. It's something in yeah. between. And Mark and I don't do that very often except for when we're exercising, um, which is one of my favorite things to do with him. And that's definitely somewhere in between chores and pleasure. Um, but this was just a really nice experience. And also getting a massage is phenomenal. So, um, And then the second Hell thing yeah. that I'm recommending is – This musician, um, Lucy Dacus is her name. D-A-C-U-S. I think I'm saying that right. Okay. I'm specifically recommending the song Night Shift on her album Historian. Okay. Um, She's from Richmond, but I know about her through NPR, like, forcing her on me a bajillion times. And I really, I finally am, like, listening to her music, and it's so good. And she is, like... She went to high school in Richmond and went to VCU for a little bit, and so like potentially people that I know might know her. Um, but she's great, and I really think you'll like her. And Night Shift has this little like hook in it that is just so pretty, and like has been in my head all day. So yeah, okay, all right.
1: I'm gonna put that on my Spotify playlist.
0: I think you're really gonna like it. Yeah, I you, I'm excited to recommend this to you in particular. So
1: ah, you you have had a very good track record record of recommending things to me on this podcast that then become my favorite thing.
0: I am I am like Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop. I am a good recommender. <laughs> I I that is what I just called myself, Gwyneth Paltrow. And uh, I called this podcast Goop, so I'm gonna stand by it.
1: Alright, well with that Did
0: we goop? We gooped. <laughs> Alright, love you. I love you too. Bye. Have a good night. Bye.